Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. All right, welcome back to the A Game Podcast. It's the first episode of 2022. So I hope everybody had a great holiday, a happy new year, and are ready for an exciting year of business. I just want to thank everybody for all the support along the way. I hope you guys enjoyed some of the re-releases we did over the last uh, week or two. Rounded out 2020. This is the first episode. It is with Bill Allen. He has been on once before. He is the host of the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. I attended some of his events. Uh, he just came out with a brand new book, Seven Figure Flipping Underground. It is outstanding. I read it in like two days, which I never do. Look in the show notes. You'll see a, a website to get that book for free. All you have to pay is the shipping. It's a great overview on a lot of different parts of real estate, so I definitely highly recommend it. Bill's a great guy. His Flip Hacking Live event was awesome. I That's where I connected in person finally with David Bray and with Adam Whitney. I met a lot of really cool, inspiring people, especially on the military side that have done some amazing things that you would never know about because they're so humble. They don't brag, but they have amazing accomplishments outside of business, um, the things that they've done for our country and the stuff that they've been through. It was just a really awesome experience, and it was a great room to just hang out and talk to people and uh, have a couple of drinks and just relax a little bit in a crazy time. So uh, I appreciated the event. It was really, really nice to meet some of those guys live. And, um, you know, Bill's done a lot of really great stuff since his uh, last appearance of the podcast about 18, probably 19 months ago now. So we talk a little bit about that, how things have changed, how far we've come, but you'll get some good tips and tricks on this. He's really honed things in on his business as far as hiring people and processes and a whole bunch of different things to really scale up and pull himself out. So it's a great episode for people who are looking to scale their business right now to see some of the do's and don'ts of things that they should be doing, things that they shouldn't be doing, what a day in their life looks like, what kind of hours they should be working, how to find the people to delegate, how to communicate with them. And if you're starting a business, we do talk a lot about just the basics of real estate, some of the ways to decide how to pick a market, who you should hire, when you should hire, what you should be focusing on, and some of the mental stuff that goes into being an entrepreneur. So there's a little bit of something for everybody. Military guys are like this, entrepreneurs are like this, athletes are like this. So I appreciate everybody listening. Definitely check the show notes out to find all the ways to find out what Bill's doing, check his events. As always, this episode is brought to you by Naked Warrior Recovery CBD. Type in promo code AGAM to get 20% off and Nationwide Business Capital Group. Go to nakednake.com slash links. You'll see all the ways under affiliates to connect with Marianne, tell the A-Game podcast sent you. She will give you money for your deals and the Naked World Recovery, as well as if you need virtual assistance for your business, Reva Global's on there and uh, so many more. You want to get a podcast going this year, that should go for 2022. Check out the affiliates there as well. Zachary Babcock's Powertrain Podcast Syndicate Circuit um, is uh, a huge resource there for you for a very small amount of money to get started and get the top-ranked podcast. So a lot of good people have come on. I'm looking forward to a really exciting year. I'm going to break down each of these episodes as much as I can on Thursdays, but I, I made it a point this year that I, I really have to make sure I'm doing revenue-generating activities during the day. So I'll try and knock some of these extra ones out, but uh, I think it's going to be a great year. I'm going to be optimistic and accountable and, and try and document and speak out a lot of the things that I'm going through professionally. Uh, maybe even some of the personal stuff, if it's relevant uh, and not just me complaining or whining or, or oversharing, um, but stuff that I think people might relate to as I grow the business over 2022, because I plan to have a huge year. I'm going to go over some of my goals. And, uh, you know, again, if you're looking to do some real estate together, reach out to Marianne, get approved for some loans. If, if you feel like you really can't do that or you passed that or you already have stuff in place, you just want to figure out how to work together. 
nicknick.com slash links. You can get all the ways, but most importantly, please text me 516-540-5733, 516-540-5733. Shoot me a text message. If it's about real estate, just text me real estate. We'll start the conversation. If you'd like to collaborate on the podcast, whether have me on yours or you come on mine, text me podcast, but text me through there between all the social media and all the emails. I miss stuff and it's been really hard to catch up on it. So this is a direct line to me text me let's do some real estate together this year whether you want to buy properties from me sell properties to me or find a way to partner on some deals especially if you're looking to get into some small to mid-sized commercial deals like multifamily mobile home parks that really are generational wealth retirement plans we can do some of those together and you'd be surprised under a million dollars easily under two hundred thousand dollars cash some of these if we leverage we can get into so don't count yourself out let's have some conversations let's do some business Please like, share, and subscribe. Please connect with us on social media. And thank you very much to Bill Allen for coming on. Again, I hope everybody has a great year. I hope you have more real estate in your life this year. I hope you have more jujitsu in your life this year. And I hope you have more friends, family, personal interactions, and good health. So let me know. Please see our Facebook group. And any questions you guys have, either text them to me or just jump on the Facebook group and put them in there. And I will make sure I respond to them. And I will make sure that we cover them on this podcast because they definitely want to give back and help them as they can this year and have you guys along with this journey. Thank you very much, A-Game Podcast. Have a great day. All right. My guest today on the A-Game Podcast is a Navy vet and entrepreneur, as well as a former wrestler. He's the best-selling author of a new book, Seven Figure Flipping Underground, and the business owner of many different ventures, but is also the co-owner of Blackjack Real Estate, LLC. He's a pilot, an engineer. He's the host of the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast and the man behind an outstanding event that I recently attended called Flip Hacking Live, as well as the Seven Figure One Way and Seven Figure Altitude Mastermind Groups. He is a real estate investor and real estate coach and business coach doing hundreds of deals a year throughout the markets, including Florida, Tennessee, and Alabama, specializing in flipping, wholesaling, and buying holes. He has figured out how to go from a solo to a financially independent business owner, mastering delegations, systems, and processes. Proud father and husband, welcome back for the second time to the A-Game podcast, Bill Allen. Nick, that was probably the best intro that I've ever gotten. I hope that, clip that, and I'm going to take it. And Maybe I said that the last time I was on your podcast. I don't know, but you did some research. You put it together. That is not what I wrote. That's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> well, I will say that is definitely not what I said last time. I recently listened to our, our old podcast like I was just touching on, and I was blown away when I, when I pulled it up. I was like, oh, man, I can't believe I was actually doing podcasts with this crappy sound, and I, I was a bad host. And I, you know, you look back, and that, that was 18 months ago, and it's just crazy how things have changed and how much I've, I've interacted with you and, and seen and you've influenced me in my business since then. And just how, how far my bar has come for what I expect out of my own podcast versus how bad it was. So you were awesome to come on and put up with my crappy podcast 18 months ago. Thank you, sir. Hey, can we talk about that for a second? Yeah. Cause I think, um, I think what you just mentioned is something that most entrepreneurs, visionaries, business owners do not do. And it's look back at how far they've come. So if you go back, you went back and listened to a podcast 18 months ago and you saw, and you just, I'm going to use your words, not mine, uh, <laughs> crappy host, bad sound, all these things. And, um, and so a lot of times what we do is we put ourselves under so much pressure to grow as fast as possible. And what we do is we just like, so we have, we have this um, end zone, right? So I, I love to watch football. So I'm sure a lot of people do. Um, you have the end zone and what you do is you see there, you, you set these goals, right? And as you go and you start to get closer to the end zone, you get to like the 20 yard line, you're driving, right? And you're like, you know what? I'm just going to move this goal line like way down a little bit further and a little bit further, a little bit further. So you never actually 
take the satisfaction to understand what you've achieved in that amount of time. And so we never look in the rearview mirror at how far we've come most of the time. So just you saying that, like anybody listening right now, if you look back in the last six months, last year, maybe even the last few weeks at where you were and where you are now, you'll see a significant difference. Even though when you sit in there today, before you do that, you say, you know what, man, I haven't gotten as far as I want to get. I haven't achieved what I've what I, what I was planning on achieving. I bet you did. And all you did was just move the goal line, like 20 more yards or 50 more yards or keep, you keep moving the goal line and you'll never be satisfied if you do that. So looking back in the past is really important for that. Don't hang up on all the things that were bad. Just look at how far you come now and keep doing that over and over and over again. So uh, that's something that I've realized over the past few years that I never do is I'm always like more, more, more. I'm just going to keep going, keep moving the goal. Even though I tell my team, I want to sell 300 tickets. They're like, you said 200 tickets last week. Like what's <laughs> happened? But we already sold 200 tickets. So sell hundred more, sell hundred more. And it's like this never satisfied mentality. So what you did is amazing. And now do something with it. And then for all of you guys that are listening, like go do that. Go look in the rearview mirror um, and just see how far you've come. Because even if you've never done a deal yet, you are taking action and doing some things to make yourself better. You're not the same person that you were six months ago. And you're, you're maybe just on the verge of becoming that person you need to become to get where you need to go. So I think that that's so relevant, you know, even not only just in the real estate side, but in life in general, you know, I, I talk to, to people, whether they're a student or just a, a friend that's getting into real estate. It's like, man, it's been six months. I haven't gotten a deal. It's like, yeah, but how many connections did you make? How many almost deals did you do? How much did you learn from the deals that you backed out of, of why that wasn't a deal and you would have lost money on it? Like, you're, you're learning something and gaining experience, even though you haven't maybe necessarily closed on something, that's all traction that goes there. It's equally important. It's all learning lessons. So like you said, I, I think the, the goalpost though is a really interesting thing. My, my buddy, Chris Weidman just had Kevin James on his podcast mm-hmm. and they were talking about how like when Chris won the UFC championship, that was always a goal and he hit the goal better than he ever could have imagined it. Like knock this guy out. It, it was like storybook ending. And the next day he looked in the mirror and was like, I don't feel any different. Like I I thought I was going to like life was going to be different or something was going to look or feel different. And then Kevin James was like, dude, you know, King of Queens, one of the biggest shows out there. They go, oh, your show is like one of the top 10 shows, period. Because, yeah, you know, now I want to do movies. Now I want to do this. Now I want to direct. And it's like, where do you how do you get that satisfaction? Where is that fine line? Like, what kind of things do you talk to yourself about? And, And on the flip side of that working for people over the years that I knew were like that when I first came up before I was the business owner, having a, a boss like that where you went, Bill, I, I did it. I sold 200 tickets and you're waiting for them to be like, great job. And they go sell 300. And they're like, son of a bitch. You know what I mean? It's like, so there has to be a little bit of the give and take in there. So I just love to hear a little bit about how you came to that. Cause I think everybody struggles with it. Yeah. And you know, so you were at Flippacking Live. So I did this presentation on success, right? And that was, that was the presentation for me that was like, what can I give to the people that are here to hopefully help them to not go down the same route that I went down of the, the difference between achievement and fulfillment, right? So how do we define success? What does that look like? And most of us define success by money and, and maybe it's, maybe it's um, uh, like fame, fortune, those kind of things, like how many people are around us, how many people follow us on social media these days, those kind of things, like what is really your definition of success. And then, so what I found in, in researching a lot of that is this piece of fulfillment, right? This fulfillment piece is the most important and that's different for everybody. So what you need to do is a lot of times the problem that I have and that everybody has, we live in the future. So if you live in the future, you're never going to be content 
It's just not, and, and it's okay to live in the future. I mean, it's okay to be a driven entrepreneur and be that 1%, right? The 1% crazies, the people who are out there just like changing the world. We need them. And, and most of, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably driven that way, right? And so what we need to do is we need to find a way to come back to the present and be content and happy with what we have and where we are. It's not the, we, we spend so much time saying, I don't have this. And we think about what we don't have instead of what we do have. And really being grateful and and sit in that like we, we look we just we just coming out of Thanksgiving weekend right, and we sat there at Thanksgiving and we gave thanks and gratitude for so many people. I mean, in my family, our tradition is like we hold hands uh, before our meal, we pray, and then we say everybody goes around the table and every single person says what they're, what they're grateful for. Even my three year old, I was like, "What are you grateful for?" And he said, "Mommy and Daddy." And I was like, "This is awesome." And we go around and say, we're grateful for it. Why don't we do that every single day of our lives? Why don't we sit down in the morning and, and have a presence of gratitude and, and thankfulness and mindfulness of what we have and come back to the present? So what I've tried to, and believe me, I'm not perfect and I'm, I, I don't have this all wired and I'm still working through a lot of this. But in that presentation, the science of achievement was, was easy. It's a formula. It's, I mean, you know how you can be, you can achieve at a high level. I mean, in sports, we talked about sports, your uh, jujitsu, you love this uh, UFC stuff. Like, you know how to be good at that. You follow a formula, right? You just, this is how you become good. You practice, you, you work these moves, you, you train under the best people, you follow in the footsteps of other greatness and you train and you get a coach and you can become, you can achieve at a very high level. Now being fulfilled is a totally different thing. That's different for everybody. Uh, you might find fulfillment in a, a Ferrari or a Lamborghini. You might find fulfillment in a, a beautiful, like having love and being uh, and being needed with a family. You might find fulfillment at um, uh, going hiking or I'm going fishing next week with my guy friends. And I knew that I wouldn't be fulfilled going fishing with a bunch of people who had been offshore fishing before catching big game like we're going to. So I asked, could we bring two people that have never been before so I can watch their experience and see it through their eyes because I know that will be fulfillment for me to help somebody else catch a massive fish, you know, and not just we catch fish, kill them, bring them in the boat, bring them home and eat. Like I see somebody catch the biggest fish they ever caught in their life and, and live that experience with them. That'll be fulfilling for me and intentionally do that, like live our life with intentionality and run our business and our family with intentionality, I think that's where we need to get to. And if we can figure that out before we build a business that can potentially crush us um, because we get addicted to the business side and the achievement and then more, 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 that's okay. Like by no means am I saying, don't go out and want to win the day every single day. And want, when you sell 200 tickets, try to figure out how to sell three and then four and then 500 and a thousand or whatever it is for you. Um, but I will say that you need to also find happiness in that. And then you, you mentioned the team, the team can get their morale gets crushed, right? <laughs> same thing with your family, same thing with your spouse, everybody around you, like um, my friends, like you can really push them aside if you're just addicted to that stuff. So figuring out how to be present and, and how to understand that you do need to be grateful for all the things that have happened. And um, a, a very specific way that I do it is I actually write down what the goals are before I start moving the goal line. So write it down, know what it is. And then six months later, when I, the numbers just start ticking up in my head, I have to look back at that and say, oh, the goal was really this. So one example is we, we rolled out a multifamily mastermind this year, and our goal was to sell 35 memberships, to have 35 members of our new mastermind that we rolled out in June. Well, we got, we, at 42, I said, wasn't the goal 50? <laughs> 
And we look back and, and the team was like, you could do this all the time. Like, what are you doing? We look back and it was 35, right? And we said, okay, it was 35. We hit 42, but let's get to 50 by the end of the year. So on our, on our one-year plan right now, it says, it says um, uh, get, uh, sell 50 mastermind memberships. And in parentheses, it says 35 was the original goal. Just so we know at the end of the year that, that you know, Bill moved the gold line. The whole team was behind it. They all agreed to it. We can do it. And then um, we documented it. So maybe that's some, I don't know, long-winded answer to your question, but you've got to find this art of fulfillment. You've got to figure out what fulfills you and think about it. It's going to be different. Like just because somebody else has something, like figure out not that, just be content with where you are and what you have. We are blessed beyond measures in this country to be born here, to live here, to be uh, part of this environment. And we are more abundant than 99% of the people on this planet. Even if you're like, if you're on food stamps right now, you are more wealthy than like 95% of the world. It's crazy. So think about what we have. And if we can do that, we'll, we can find fulfillment in a lot of that stuff. I love that, man. I get one of my favorite quotes is I cried when I had no shoes till I met the man with no feet. I always try and remember that when I start getting, you know, worked up about something of like, this could be worse, just, you know, take it for what it is and be okay. And I think that that's all very relevant info. And, you know, talking about going through a day and having a day of gratitude, I think it's interesting as somebody that's running all these businesses, you know, starting out the person who's trying to be the operator, you know, they might be pulling lists, they might be making cold calls, they might be closing deals, they might be just checking up on the VAs and the people they have in place. But you being at the top of that heap and all those different businesses and having such great leadership skills and experience, what does the average day look like for you? Because I just saw a um, somebody posted something on Instagram, it might actually have been Jocko, but it was how you day, how you live your day is how you live your life. And it was like one person sitting on the couch watching Netflix and the other person like climbing a mountain or something like that. And I thought it was really interesting and relevant. And I try and think of that when I'm sitting around doing nothing or, or just, you know, not being productive. I'm like, this is how my life will be if I don't get off the couch. So um, what does an average day for Bill Allen look like? That's a great question. And it has evolved over time, like massively. And I, I have people a lot of times, and for some reason, I, I, I'm very like high paced, high achiever type person, right? So there's not a lot of downtime. Uh, when I actually, when I got on this podcast, you probably saw me eating my lunch. It was a bag of tuna fish, like one of those pouches with, uh, I couldn't even find a fork. It was like half a fork that broken half a uh, plastic fork that was in my bag. Uh, that's not my typical day. Well, it kind of is. Let me, I'll tell you what it is right now. So, um, so I wake, I usually wake up pretty early. Um, and I used to wake up at like four 30 or five when my brain was just, when this gets turned on, it's on. So I don't set an alarm, but I used to get up at like 4 5 o'clock in the morning and, and come out of the room. Now uh, there's times where I, sometimes I'll sleep till seven now and I don't set an alarm. It's amazing when I sleep till seven. I love it. I think I need the, I need the downtime. I need the fuel. And I, what, all that tells me is I'm in a state, a bigger state of relaxation than I was before and a more balanced state where I can actually unplug from business more often and, and just be present in my life and be able to sleep. Because usually when I woke up at 4.30 in the morning, I would start thinking about something that wasn't done yet. And it was a business to do. And my brain would turn on and I couldn't go back to sleep. So I just got up and started working until my family got up. I don't do that anymore. Um, we have a farm that we bought in January. So um, it's pretty cold out there right now. So I don't typically go out early mornings and it doesn't get light out until later in the day or later in the morning. But um, what I really like to do is I like to walk out in the farm from like 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. before my family gets up. 
um, if it's if it's a nice day, if it's uh, if the, the farm is in bloom, is we have uh, about an acre and a half of garden with probably 40 or 50 different types of vegetables and fruits. And so I'll walk out there. I'll let the chickens out in the morning. I'll pet the horses and play with them and, and stuff like that. And that what that does is it really brings me back to nature in the present and to be grateful. And, and I'll think about gratitude in the morning during that walk. Um, if I'm not going out there and regardless, every morning before my kids get up, there's a 10 minute, my church just started doing this. There's a 10 minute video message that they send out. We're working through the Bible right now. And so there's a 10 minute like breakdown of, um, the piece of scripture, the actual, um, like takeaways that they take from it. It's the different pastors in our church that make these videos and then, um, application in your life. And then an area for prayer and gratitude. So I'll actually sit down for that 10 minutes and work through my, it's a paper journal called formation journal that they've given us. And they're going to do it all next year. We're going to work through that. And every morning I do that. It's Monday through Friday that they do that. So five days. Um, so I'll do that. And then at seven o'clock, my kids get up and it's chaos. So I make breakfast for the kids. <laughs> Um, we have three little boys, seven, five, and three right now. Um, my wife, uh, gets up, she, she will sleep until they wake her up. So once the baby starts screaming, the monitor, she'll sleep. So, uh, so I'm making breakfast in the morning, getting the kids ready for school. Uh, we have a nanny that comes in to help us get the kids off to school and all that we go, they go to three different schools. She comes in at seven 30. Usually, um, I'm out the door by, if I'm putting my son, Will on the bus, I leave at eight 30. Uh, but usually sometime between eight, eight 30, I go to the gym. I work out for an hour, 45 minutes to an hour. I hit the gym every day, Monday through Friday. And then I come to work. I start my day at work at 10 a.m. So uh, if you're trying to schedule a meeting with me before 10 a.m., it's not going to happen. And I'm out of here by five. Usually I shut down about 10 to four. I'll work 10 to four. And then from four to five is clean up, uh, last minute things. Monday and Wednesday, I go to the chiropractor from 4.30 to five. It's two doors down from my office. Um, and then I go home. I try to unplug from here and go home. And... Uh, unplug from, and, but while I'm here, I'm just going to mention this from 10 AM to 4 PM, I'm getting more done than most people get done in a week. So the schedule, I know what I'm doing. There's not a 30 minute gap of like, Oh, what should I do? I'm going to jump on Facebook. I'm going to surf on social media. I don't know what to do. Like every single minute is basically, these are, this is what I'm going to achieve today. These are my goals. This is what my plan is. And that's intentional for the week. It's built out on Sunday night. And every single minute is planned for that week. Things are going to go wrong. There's going to be problems and blow up. Um, but I'm going to get more achieved between 10 a.m. Usually I get more done before 7 a.m. than most people do in the whole day. And then from 10 to 4, I'm going to get more done. Than, and I'm going to outwork you guys. And I'm going to get stuff done, uh, more stuff done in that time than you'll probably get done in a week. Because the average person probably works like true work per day, like two hours. Everything else is just wasted. Maybe an hour, maybe three hours. But you're usually wasting a ton of time. Like, I don't even really have time for lunch. You saw my lunch. Um, I packed my day and um, I do take some clarity breaks. I'll get up, I'll walk around, I'll build that in. Like uh, maybe it's just walk downstairs um, and take a breath, go outside, enjoy the beauty of the air, the trees, the, the plants, those kind of things. Um, the sky, the rain, like whatever, just weird stuff to try to bring me back to the present. And then I go home and every day has got something different. It's anywhere from Cub Scout uh, leader on Tuesday nights to... Um, soccer on Wednesdays, usually when it's in season to date night, um, with, with Lucy, a non-negotiable one night every week tonight. It's tonight. So I'm excited about that. 4:30. I'm unplugging from here and I'm plugging into a uh, husband and, and not father, but husband and it's date night. We're going to have some fun. So that's, uh, and then I I'm in bed by nine 30 or 10. Usually, um, we'll put the kids to bed by about eight 
And then Lucy and I'll spend probably an hour, two hours together, just whatever she wants to do, watch TV, relax, um, unplug. It's not open the computer anymore, uh, send emails, catch up, those kind of things. That was a really pulling back the relationship. And I try to go, go to bed with my spouse every single night, as opposed to I'll be in bed in about two hours, go to sleep and, and I'll, I'll be in there. So every single night, my try. So. So many great things to unpack in there. You know, one of them being, I think you touched on, on something that I believe most entrepreneurial people or business owners can relate to, which is you, you mark off 10 to four, like these are the, the hours I'm going to do work, but you don't put any intention or specific things down for exactly what's going to get done towards that. Or maybe leave a little bit of a room for like the what if and things that come out. And when you don't do that and four and five and six o'clock come around, you don't have the luxury of being able to say, I'm going to unplug. I have to get these things done. So now I'll be in bed by 12 and it resets your whole week. So I think there's a, a sharpening the ax perspective there for you setting up your day and then having the discipline to actually follow that is a huge thing. So I would love to hear about like, where is it on a whiteboard? Do you have an assistant put something on a Todoist app? How do you structure your day? Is it time blocking? How detailed out is it? And how much flexibility do you give that or build in for like the un- the, the things that could have popped up that maybe the unforeseen circumstances came. So you, you, you mentioned something every single day at four o'clock or five o'clock, I have this thing in my head where it's like, I didn't accomplish everything that I came to the day to accomplish. Um, everybody does the, the, ch and the challenge that we have is do we carry around, carry that around for the rest of the day with us? And do we show up at home frustrated and, and dealing with the kids and cranky and all that stuff? Like how is our energy when we show up to the, to the house and check out from entrepreneur and check in from husband, father, dad, mom, whatever it is for you. Um, that's the challenge. And I'm still working through that a lot, but I've, I've gotten to the point where it's just like, you know what? It can wait. Like just accepting the fact that these are little things. And I'm sorry, if you sent me an email over the last week and didn't get a response, I'm sorry, but you're never going to get one probably. Like it's just, I've given up on it. It's at the point where I, I have a higher calling. I have, I have, and if I missed it, I'm sorry, it will come back up again. Like you will ask me again. And I hate that I'm at that place and I want to serve everybody and I want to be everything to everyone. But that's the thing that's most of the time holding us back. So if you can let go of some of those things, like the little things and not beat yourself up and feel like, uh, like shameful that you didn't get more accomplished and done and just say tomorrow's a new day. That is the mindset that you have to show up in every single day for that. Um, but for the tactical side, oh, I forgot to mention that Thursday, I don't work on Thursday. So Thursday um, is my farm day. Um, maybe it's like meet, meet for lunch with a friend of mine, uh, kind of non-business day where no meetings, no, I don't come to the office. You won't find me here on Thursday anymore. So that, that's a new thing this year that I said, I, I wanna be at the farm every day, every Thursday, getting my hands dirty, doing some like real hard labor. Uh, throughout the summer, I was crushed, sweaty, dirty every single Thursday, cleaning out like chicken stalls with chicken crap. We have 66 chickens, if you can imagine how much they crap inside <laughs> the coop and stuff like that. So, um, and it just gave me perspective, right? Um, yeah, I might make a million dollars in a year, but I can also, I'm cleaning out chicken crap on Thursday afternoon, so, and uh, stuff like that. So. Um, I think for me, the, the way that I do it is I have a, uh, I have a planner that I use, uh, and it's a, a woman named Nina Ferrara. She, uh, has our community for a couple of years. She has a, a planner called boldly and boldly and co is the name of her company. And there's a boldly and co planner that I started using. And it's very intentional of on Sunday, I sit down, I just brain dump everything down. I have a methodology behind it, which I really love. I actually just brain dump everything down on a sheet of paper. 
And then I move it to different things. Like what can I delegate? What can I, what, what's not that important or, or takes very small amount of time, like five, 10 minutes. And then what's the really important task, like the three, maybe five tasks that week that if they don't get accomplished, like that moves the needle for me in the week. Right. So those things get scheduled first in there. And then if there's leftover time, maybe I schedule in some of the smaller things I can delegate a lot of stuff. And then, um, they say to build in like 70, like 25% of your time is just kind of like open time for um, things to get shifted around. Um, I'm not very good at that. I pretty much like pack in 90 to hundred percent and I'm just, I'm just doing that. So um, that's the one area where I don't necessarily listen that well. And um, but for me, like I'll never bump in the bump off the big tasks. Right. So like if I got to the end of the day and the big task that didn't get done, then I, I would feel like I, there was a big problem and I have to figure out what that is. Um, I do have an assistant. I'm actually in a transition right now on executive assistant. I just, uh, I just actually hired uh, an executive assistant last night um, to come in to as, as a new player in our organization. And then my executive assistant is, is kind of like more of a personal and farm manager is she's going to transition over there. Uh, potentially. I, I hope that she does a really good job over there and makes us more money over there. Um, but she's going to be working in the office now instead of virtual and she will be coming up and checking in with me every single morning. We have a morning meeting at 9 45, 9 30, 9 45, and then another one at between four and four 30 every day. And so just keep me on task. She'll be popping into meetings. Um, she'll probably like listen to a podcast like this and say, Bill, did you say that you were going to give people something or you're going to send them <laughs> something? Or did you tell Nick that you were going to give a, a, you know, a version of your book to him? And so I got to get his address. Like I do that all the time. And how many times do we say we're going to do something and then we get off, we go on to the next thing and we forget about that. So just shadow me in meetings and things like that and just be my um, my ears and my t- basically like catch all to-do list type stuff. So that's uh, that's how I do it. If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, whether you're beginner, intermediate or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesale and fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com, go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure, or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. Awesome. And I love that. Now, you know, transitioning to some of the things you're doing, say it took you two years, your your new book, I have it right here, Seven Figure Flipping Underground. I don't know if you can see it on the thing, but um, I was telling you before, I, I obviously wanted to read it before you came on. And I have some focus issues with getting through things. And, you know, you start out 10 different books, I went through your book in less than two days. I thought it was great. And there were so many different things to take away, but I wanted to be you know, obviously careful about there were so many different topics we could talk about within an hour. But one of them I thought was awesome that you mentioned you like to talk about, which is you know hiring and building a team. You're very mm. good at that. You're very good at helping other people build that. But transitioning a, a little bit in the same topic to your Flip Hacking Live event, that was one of the first events that I went to live since this whole mess happened in the last you know 18 months or whatever. And I've been making relationships with people from doing podcasts and just getting on different things, but there was something different that just doesn't translate that I had forgotten about when you're in a room with somebody and you don't even need to say anything. You just feel their energy. And I had that experience with Adam Whitney. You know, we had talked 
just, you know, on Zooms and, and Facebook chats. But the second we walked in, I was just kind of like, oh, there he is. He might be busy. It ran over, gave me a big hug, was like, let's take a picture. Same thing happened with David Perret. We barely talked anything about real estate. It was just like, this guy's awesome. We're going to have a drink, you know? So there was a lot of that, that I think when you go around and you find somebody, like you said, you had Adam on your podcast, you were like, there's something here. We're going to do more business together. So I know he was running the marketing. He's a co-owner of the business that you're doing in Blackjack Real Estate. But my question to you is, how do how does the average person find an Adam Whitney? How do we get those people that we can rely on every day, that we can build around us to make us stronger and have us have more wins and be able to clock out and go have some personal and family time without worrying about the business collapsing or things not getting done? It's a huge piece. Okay, how much time do you have? As much as you want to give. <laughs> All right. So th this is this is probably the this is the ultimate to build a business is so let's see where should we start? When I came into into business into real estate. So I, I was a I was a Navy pilot for like 15 years of active duty. While I was on active duty, I joined this mastermind group that I actually own right now and my mentor was like hire somebody and I was like no way. Like no. I'm not willing to do that. I don't want to do it. I'm scared. I don't want to put food on the table for them. I be responsible for their family. Like my entire life revolved around the government making my paycheck every two weeks. Like that was it. I, I was like, I, I'll just do it myself. And nobody's going to be as good as me, all these things. So I try to put myself back in that situation when people ask me this question. Like it is really hard to figure out, like to trust other people when you think that you're awesome, right? So there's a lot of people, you guys probably think that you're great. Nobody can do this as good as you. There's a lot of people out there that can do things a hundred times better than us. Like there's, a, it's, it's amazing what's available out there in the world. And so when you, to find these people, so I look back to my first couple of hires. So my first hire was my actual, actually my first hire, once he finally convinced me, it took a couple of weeks of him saying, all right, just figure out how you're going to flip 12 houses by yourself when you can't even do one a year right now on your own. Like you can't do more than one a year. So how are you going to do 12 while you're still flying full-time and all the things that you say you want to do? Oh, and you want more time with your family? Like, that's fine. Um, I don't think you can do it, but if you give me, pitch me on how you could potentially do it, then fine. Two weeks later, I came back. I said, fine, you're right. I have no idea how to do this. Just, just, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. I'll just do whatever you say. And, um, and so I went out looking for somebody. I hired a woman. Her name was Jamie. She, um, uh, she was going to be my lead manager, do some of the bookkeeping and stuff like that, like office manager, basically answering the phones, sending out a bunch of marketing. And two weeks later, her husband gets a job. She, they lived in Alabama. Her husband gets a job in Virginia and she's moving. She quits. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. It's like a knife to the gut, right? And so two steps back. And so I just happened to be talking to somebody on uh, online, like uh, it was on Bigger Pockets. We were messaging back and forth. She was local. Uh, I had a project going on in Alabama. She was going to meet me over there. I met her over there, and I had, she, this woman had just quit. And so I'm talking to her. I was like, man, this this woman is seems to just be amazing. Like she's trying to wholesale. She's got she's really hungry. She's having some struggles. Uh, finances aren't really where she wants them to be to get where she wants to go. And I was like, what if, what if I just asked her to come on with me and, and fill that position that just opened up? So the values aligned. I could see working together. Um, if you read the book, her name is Dee Dee. I hired Dee Dee. She prayed about it, talked to her husband. She came into the company. She worked with me for like three years. And all I did was talk to her, get to know her, cast the vision of where I wanted to go and ask her if she wanted to come along for the ride with me. Um, and then the next hire that I made was a woman named Eunice. 
she is in the book too, I think. It's a, if you, the, the story that I tell about going to that place where the, the police are there, the, the daughter punches the mom, gets arrested. We have to go to the prison to get the contract signed. <laughs> it's like, that was her. She was the one that was there. She had to get a police escort over there. The police ended up arresting somebody. She got the contract. I think we made like $23,000 on that deal or something. So, um, and that was like six years ago. So she, I met her. She had a full-time job. She was a podorthist. I still don't really know what it is, but I think they sell like inserts for shoes. It's not a podiatrist, it's a podorthist. And, and so we're, we meet at Denny's. She answered my, I hired her off of Craigslist for a sales rep. She comes to Denny's. She has a full-time job. She has a husband. She has a daughter. And I'm like, what is she doing even thinking about? We've not even done a deal yet. Didi had been working for me for two, like two months. We hadn't done a wholesale deal from our marketing yet, but I talked a big game. I cast a vision and I told her where I was going and what I was going to do and nothing was going to stop me. And she, she, I said, do you want to come along for the ride with me? And she was like, she started negotiating me on price, on her pay and their commission structure. And I was like, this is a perfect salesperson. She's negotiating me up in, in price and, and showing me her value. So I hired her. She came in and she, I think she put five houses under contract, like the first two weeks from follow-up of houses that I didn't, that were in the database already that I didn't go see, or I didn't close. And I was just amazing. So I tell those two stories because what I want you to hear is I want you to hear like, this wasn't like me posting a job on a deed and having these like core values and the, the accountability structure and all the things put together. I didn't have it all figured out yet. All I did was look for somebody that shared my values and cast the vision to get them excited to come along with me. I read there's some of their resumes. I talked to, but I'm way better at hiring now than I was then. But those people helped me build a multi-million dollar business a year. Okay, so it's like, we did $670,000. We did 67 transactions the first year in like six, six or seven months with four people. And then we did 1.3 million the next year with like six people. So you've got to be a leader. You've got to cast the vision. You've got to know where you're going. You've got to know your values. And so the first step I would say in anybody is understanding what your core values are and go look for that in others. Like when you share your message, when you put yourself out there and you show who you are, you will attract other people that are like you, want to follow you, they, you share similar values. So the reason why you showed up at Flip Hacking Live and you saw a lot of people there that you were like, these are awesome people. This is an interesting experience. It's because I put myself out there and my values and I try to attract other people that have similar values. So we obviously share some values because otherwise you would have stepped in there and been like, this place feels weird. It's kind of cultish. I'm not sure why they are all saying what they're saying or doing what they're doing. They don't dress like me. They don't look like me. They don't talk like me. It's really weird. I feel uncomfortable. I'm going to go somewhere else. And that's fine. Like, I think there's a place for everybody. So we all have this vision, this mission, this purpose, this calling. And if you put it out there, so you, you get connected with a lot of great people because you have a podcast. Like you made the podcast, you put yourself out there, you're having conversations, you're attracting people on the podcast. I'm sure you've interviewed people that are, you're like, I don't know if I'd hang out with that dude. Like, it's just not really my style. And you're probably not going to their event, you know? So same for me. Like the people, think about the people that you follow. Like who are the people you look up to? You mentioned Jocko, you mentioned Kevin James, you mentioned a couple other people. Like these are people that have similar interests and similar values to you probably. And these are people that you want to follow. And so, I mean, I, I know that you, like you, you and Jocko have a lot in common, right? 
And so, and so you want to see him, you want to spend time. Uh, he's coming locally to you. You want to be there. Like there's all of these things. Like I try to find the uh, surround myself with the other people. And that's what a business is. It's not a family. Okay. It's not a family. It was a family for me in the beginning. So if I can give you any advice, it's not a family. Family has dysfunction. Family has that uncle that drinks too much at the Christmas uh, party and drives home and you guys are all cool with it. And next time he's going to do it again because it's uncle so-and-so. And that's just him. On a team, on a Super Bowl winning team, you get kicked off the team if you do something like that. So think about building a team, like a Super Bowl winning team and don't accept good. Good is not, good's the enemy of great as Jim Collins put it so well in his book. But um, that, that's how you build a team. And there's, there's tons of other techniques. But if you start from values, you start from vision, you can cast it, you'll attract other people. There's people that are listening to this right now. They're like, oh man, like I, this guy's an idiot. Like, I get it. We, we might, we, there might be something off in who we are as, as people, but the people that hear your voice that are attracted, like pour into them, like figure out how to serve them. And if you can figure out how to serve them, you'll build the team. Like they want to follow. You're the leader. You are the leader. You've got to talk about your vision all the time. So I look back as like, why did these people come? Why did they come? That's why Blackjack became what it became. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about them. It was about where we were going and constantly casting the vision and growing and, and bringing the right people and putting them in the right seats. So uh, I realized that might not be like as like the tactics of how you find the people. I'm happy to talk about that. But if you start from that, then when you put your ad up and you start interviewing and those kind of things, you can start feeling this. Like my assistant that I just hired yesterday, um, she doesn't have the personality profile that I was looking for. And I was like, man, I, maybe I shouldn't hire her and i'm sure she'll hear about this or listen to this one day or uh and that's fine i mean i even told her this when we're but the meetings that we had together it was like and the way that it all came together and the gut feeling that i had i was like there's there's something happening here and the connection that i i feel like we have and where she wants to go and who she wants to become um i think she can grow with me where i've had some struggles in the past of gr people growing as fast as me along with me so, um, so we'll see how it goes. Like I, I'm, I don't, I'm not perfect. Like I, I, this is my fourth assistant every two years. It feels like we, I, 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 I change, I, things, things happen. And I, I got to figure out that higher, like this person is very close to me. How do I continue to develop and grow them where they, I'm not churning through an assistant every year or two. Um, so anyway, long talk. I, I seem to be on a soapbox today. No, I love it, man. Cause I think it's important. I think people listen and they, they have a pen in their hand and they want like, what's the thing? What's the one thing? Give me the answer. But the more of these masterminds I go to, the more people I talk to on the show, the more people I have high level conversations on, they say what you say. It's, you know, there's, there's no silver bullet answer. It's people. And then there's so many differences in people for, you know, like what's important, what's their core values, what's their personality, what's their humor, what are their goals? And you know, everybody would marry everybody if there was just like, well, this is what you do. You find a pretty girl and you marry. Like, it doesn't work like that. There's too many things in there. So I like the way that you dive in and you talk about some of like the why behind why you're doing stuff and the thought process and just working out the kinks. And like you said, it people get fired every day. People get hired every day. So they could have changed their situation in the last two years. And now you're not a good fit. You might have, you know, there's so many different things that happen there. But I think like you said, you fail forward and every couple of years, you learn things that you could have done better or could have done different. And you take that into the new one and it makes it somebody that maybe you hire a little bit, that's a better fit. And then maybe you're able to 
see the red flags a little bit sooner. So I think all of it is lessons that people just have to realize that they have to take some of the stuff that they're getting and just start taking steps and and, and take some of those core pieces and and like I said, the foundations of, of what it is and the principles of business and life. But then I have to learn that they're going to have to adapt it a little bit for their own specific situation and personality. And I think that's where analytical people get upset because there's not a, this is the answer. And then they sit there like, oh, I don't know what to do now. Yeah, can I, let me give you, I'll give a, I'll give a one minute, um, like hiring 101, because then, then those people will be happy. So, <laughs> uh, number one, build out your core values. That's it. Start, start there. What are your core values? Um, really simple exercise. Uh, think about the people that are around you that formed you and like who you are and, and that you're a tra- like coach, parent, um, um, other mentor, somebody like that. And you're like, go back in history and start today. Uh, even up till right now, and then figure, at, write down the values that you see in them, uh, because those are the core ones for you. Like it's a, it's like a mirror, okay? So that's that's the easiest way to build out your core values in a simple exercise. So number one, do that. Uh, number two, figure out what you like to do, what you don't like to do, what you're good at, what you're not good at, and then build the job description around that in the beginning. If you're a bigger business, then you know who you want to hire already. Um, Number three, write the job ad. Uh, so no, next step is figure out the personality profile that needs that. So this is the right person is the person that shares the values. The right seat is somebody who is capable of doing that job. And that's usually built on personality profile. If you're not detail oriented, you can't do a detailed job. Um, if you're not a visionary, then you can't lead and cast a vision for people. You're sitting in the weeds when you need to be up in the clouds to kind of cast the vision. Um, if you're not a people person, then you're probably not the best potentially not the best salesperson, unless you're like really, really hungry. If uh, you're not, you're impatient, you're not going to sit down and do a job that is repetitive and needs patience to do it over and over and over again. And so figure out the personality profile that you're looking for, build that out. Number four, um, after that, then write a job ad that attracts those type of people. So put the adjectives and, and word tracks in that job ad and write it like a copywriter, like you're trying to attract that personality profile. So that person should read it and go, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. So if you're not getting the right profiles in your applications, you need to tweak your ad. Your ad stinks. So it's attracting the wrong people. If you're attracting visionaries when you need detail-oriented people, you have the wrong words in your job ad. All you got to do is tweak the words, tweak the copy. It's just like digital marketing when I'm trying to attract you to my events. I'm trying to talk about all your pain points. I'm attracting the right people that share my values and my vision and all that stuff. So change the ad write an awesome ad, have them do the job profile, like the personality profile. We use something called culture index. If you want to do it for free, use disc. Disc is good enough for people that can't afford a a better program. And don't look at their resume. Okay. I'm going to say this again. Don't look at their resume and don't interview them until you, they match your personality profile that you're looking for, because you can, you can screen out like 90% of the people if they don't have the right personality profile and then look at the resume, then jump on the interview. And in the interview, ask technical questions. But what you want to do is you want to figure out, do they have the values? Are they the right person and the right seat? So don't forget about the values. So ask questions around values. So if like for one of ours, extreme ownership is one of ours, right? And so uh, if I'm hiring for a sales rep, one example that I do is I will say, hey, tell me about a deal that went bad for you recently. And what I want to hear is I want to hear them say, oh, I, I, was, I was doing this deal. Maybe they were, I don't know, there's some copiers before that. Like I had this huge corporate account that I was doing and yeah, I messed up the presentation. Like I messed up the presentation. I lost 
the uh, I lost the account to a competitor. I'm so upset. I could have done better. I should have stayed up a little bit later. I should have, I should have, I should have learned more about their company ahead of time. What I don't want to hear is uh, I. I had an amazing presentation. A competitor came in. He talked bad about me, and they went with him. Um, it it really ticked me off. So, like, not taking any responsibility for their actions in any of that. All I want to hear is you take responsibility for your actions. Everything is your fault, right? And so, uh, you can hear their values in their answers if you ask the right questions. So, frame questions around your core values to figure out what they share. And I wouldn't put your core values out on the ad directly. I would probably write some copy to attract people that have those values, but I wouldn't say these are our four or five core values because then they come in going, okay, I'm going to ace this interview. I know exactly yeah. what you're looking for. So that's some, that's some very specific um, things and a track that you can go down to hire the right person every time. That's excellent. Oh, and, advice. Oh, and one more thing, never go against your gut. If your gut is telling you this might not be the right fit, I'm not sure, I, I, I don't think I should hire them, something's off, listen to that, okay? And if your gut is telling you that this is potentially the right person to hire, and I just broke my own rule because I read her cover letter before I looked at her personality profile, and it was like, oh my gosh, this is speaking to me. And then I looked at the resume, and I was like, wow. And then I looked over here, and I was like, oh my gosh. I started researching, and I was like, there's something here. And then I jumped on an interview after I saw the personality profile that didn't fit. And I started saying, well, why did, why has the personality profile not been right in the past three? Maybe that's it. Maybe that is my problem. Maybe that's where it's broken for me and the assistant that I need. So um, those are, those are my tips. I love that, man. And you know, for anybody that's listening to this, I, I want to keep going back to the, the seven figure flipping underground. There's so many breakdowns of stuff for the way people learn it. It's just reminding me of it because People that are good at things don't necessarily know how to teach things because they don't know how to adapt it style. And what you just did, I thought was awesome because you gave a visionary example of ways to hire. And then you kind of spun it and went, okay, here's for the analytical people. And I think that that's what makes you a good leader. You know, a lot of people don't know how to do that. I see it in jujitsu all the time. They can kick my ass, but they have no idea how to teach me for the way that I learned how they did it. You know, that's why people gravitate to different things. But in your book, you kind of gave the big picture first of here's all the things we're going to cover in this topic for all the people that need to see the end first. Here's a bullet point outline of all like why these things are important. And then here's deep descriptions on all the things that are in there. And then one of my favorite parts of it, which is one of my big questions during this podcast now, is you went through, if I could have gone back and done this different, here's what I would have done different. And here's the mistakes that I made by not knowing these things that you guys can benefit from. And to me, that is like, everything to the point of like, I'm always waiting for that. It's like, yes, I know you can make money doing real estate. I know that these things work. I know people have nice cars and shiny, shiny this and that. But what I want to know is like, where's the things that I don't see? Where's the places I can get hurt? And what can you teach me to not take those lumps? And I thought you put that together very, very well and really related it into stories with real people of your own experiences and some of your students. And it made it very easy to understand and follow and relate to. And, you know, piggybacking on that, I bring it up because I get asked a lot about markets. And I love the way you brought that topic up in the book and talked about how every person comes up to you. And initially you were like, well, they're in a big market. It was like, well, no, now they're in a small market. Now they have no, not enough profit. Now they have too much profit. And everybody looks for that. And I feel like it's the, it's, it's one of those, like, whether you can or you can't, you're, you're right. It is whatever you think, but there's money to be made everywhere. And it's just a matter of finding an excuse of why something can work for you or why it can't, but there, there really is just that hesitation factor. So for, you know, I know we're not out of time here, but 
Can you talk just a little bit about your psychology for picking markets and what your answer is for people who think that their market is too big or too small or not competitive enough or too competitive? Because that, that's pretty much what everybody's saying these days of why they don't do real estate. Yeah. I so I, you, th you have to think about yourself. Like, what are you good at? What are you not good at? So um, it's there's, there's goods and bads about anything that we do. So if you want to look at a market, uh, the, so I'll give an example. When I was in Pensacola, um, I didn't know any better. I just, I live in Pensacola. I'm going to go into Pensacola. So we'll start doing business there. Right. And what I realized after doing that is Pensacola is, uh, is a small market. It's like 350,000 people. If you include two counties, right. If you include one, it's even a little bit smaller. And so what I saw in the beginning was there was like wholesaling was, around in Pensacola, but is anybody, not anybody doing like a ton of business there, like hundreds of deals. There's people doing like a couple deals a month, like 10, $20,000 here and there, but there wasn't anybody at scale doing it. And I was being coached by somebody who was doing big business, right? At scale in, he was in Salt Lake City. He was in Indianapolis and Albuquerque, New Mexico. So two like smaller, even Indianapolis and Albuquerque are major markets. Like they're big markets, a million people probably, maybe, maybe a little less. Uh, in, in, in Albuquerque and then over a million in Indianapolis, I'm sure. Um, so I saw him doing business, big business. So I didn't know anything different. I was just like, I'm going to go do that much volume. I'm just going to go do hundreds of deals. And so then in Pensacola, what I realized was I could get a deal under contract, but moving the contract. So it like leads were coming in like crazy. My response rate was higher than anybody else in a big market, but I would get the deal under contract. And then to sell that contract, it was a little bit more of a challenge to find a lot of buyers that could buy it. So the demand, like the supply was there, right? But the demand was not as high. And uh, the other cool thing was it didn't cost that much money to drive that much traffic. So those were some of the, the good things. Like it was a little bit cheaper, not as competitive, um, uh, could get deals, right? The leads were cheaper. And then the negatives were, it was a little bit harder to move the deals at first. Like I had to basically build demand there. Like I had to build my buyers list. I had to educate people more. I had to go find the other people that are buying off the MLS or buying with agents and say, Hey, this is what we do. This is, you know, my company. And so and building relationships. So there's supply and demand. Right. And then when I went, we moved to Nashville and when I looked at Nashville, I started evaluating and I was like, I don't even know a market like this, like multi-million people here. And there's 150 people moving here every day. So there's like huge demand. Everybody wants a, a rental property and a flip and things like that. there's a huge demand, but there's more competition. It's more expensive. Um, it wasn't it, like I couldn't drive traffic that cheap. I needed a big bankroll to drive the same amount of leads to get the same kind of, and actually worse results than I was getting before, right? Because I wouldn't get the same, the cost per lead was significantly higher, most likely. So when I analyzed that market, I was like, man, I, I don't know if I want to play at this level right now at the vault. Cause all, cause keep in mind, I was, I had money. I was spending money on marketing. I didn't have a lot of time. So I had to go out and drop cash to drive leads. I couldn't go knock on doors or drive for dollars. Those kind of things. I just didn't have a lot of time. And so I, and then I, I said, well, Chattanooga is an hour and a half away. So I went to Chattanooga instead at that time. I mean, I was, I was had a million dollar company. And I still didn't invest in Nashville specifically because, well, number one, we had a mastermind member that was in there and I didn't want to encroach on her territory, but also I, I just wasn't ready. I didn't have the bankroll. So then I built the bankroll in Chattanooga and got to the point where I could drive leads and we can come into Nashville, but it's still a challenge there. So the demand is there, but the supply wasn't there. It was a little bit harder to find. But when you find a deal in a city like that, you make a lot more money. 
So the spread is smaller in a minor metro market and the spread is a lot bigger in Nashville. So if I had the time to spend to go get one deal, I would rather go get one deal in a big major metro than I would in a minor metro that I might not be able to move. We have people that come into our mastermind group that are in small markets that are like, it's like, oh my gosh, I have all these contracts. And they're like, wait, I have all these contracts. I need to sell these contracts. Like, oh, I can't sell them right now. I have to start canceling them. Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. No, you just need to build your buyers list a little bit bigger. You need to network. You need to understand. You need to build the demand. You need to educate people. You need to go find the people buying from realtors. You need to do all the, the tactics and techniques. So if you're looking for a market, like it could be in your backyard, it could be 3,000 miles away. It doesn't really matter. But you got to figure out what suits you the best. What suits you? So one thing that I recommend is think about your competitive advantage. So did you grow up in a, in a market 2,000 miles away? Do you have boots on the ground there? Do you have people that can help you? Do you understand it? Can you, can you plug in right now and understand the market, the cities, the zip codes, where everything is, the, where the up and coming neighborhoods are, where the bad parts of town are that you don't want to buy? Um, and, and then maybe it's okay. Maybe you can go over there and, and you have somebody on the ground who can go look at properties, take pictures, those kind of things. Um, we, a lot of our stuff is virtual. It's doable. Um, maybe you're in San Diego and you're like, you know what? I got some time. I, I think I can drive around. I think I can build some relationships, talk to wholesalers, find a deal and make six figures on one instead of 5,000 like I was making. You know, Our average wholesale deal in Pensacola when I got started was somewhere around seven or $8,000. Um, it's more now, significantly more. But in Nashville, when we started, our average wholesale deal is about $25,000. So that's three times. So I can spend three times for that lead to make the same profit margin than I could in Pensacola. So there's, there's positives and, and negatives. You mentioned this story. We'd have somebody come up to me and say, I can't do business because this market is too competitive and it's too big. I'm in San Diego. And then I have somebody going, oh, I'm not in San Diego. Like I can't make a lot of money. I'm in, you know, I don't know, Western Kentucky. So there's not a lot of business. And it's just like, you guys are just both looking at the negative, like flip it and look at the other side. Look at the other side of the coin always. Like what is the benefit that you have and I mean, we had a guy who joined our, uh, our mastermind group in San Diego. Uh, you saw him, his uh, name was Mark Doty. He, was, he came and presented at Flip Hacking Live um, on networking to find deals. And he's done five or six deals in San Diego with huge margins and like a seven figure net worth change in one year. And most people were like, I can't do business in San Diego. He found a way when some people think there is no way. Um, there's a way. So I, hopefully that answers your question. There's, there's the, there really is always a good and a bad about everything. Figure out how you fit into that equation to make that decision and just stop thinking about it. Like everybody just takes forever to decide, just decide and go and you'll work it out. Like make a decision is better than indecision every time. Ever wanted to play the drums? Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real Mackenzie's, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He's played all over the world and he's also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught Tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. You can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 
800-632-0585. Again, text the word DRUMMER, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-632-0585 for your free online drum lesson. I love that, man. I know we're running short on time, but I thought that was an outstanding answer. And uh, as we wrap up here, one of the things I've heard you say over and over again in your book and in your live events that I think is just so well put is that real estate is very easy to learn, but very hard to do. You know, there's plenty of information out there now. So talk about what you have going on. Flip Hacking Live, Seven Figure Flipping. I know when, I just saw in June, you're having a multifamily event. Uh, the book obviously is huge for anybody listening. I'll have show notes for ways to connect to all that. But talk about all the stuff that Bill Allen has going on. Uh, yeah, we, we have a lot going on. Like ultimately, I would say uh, my goal for you is to start wherever you start. Like in our world, if you want to be a part of it, is to figure out what that is. We love doing events. Like we put on some amazing events. We go all out. We spend a ton of money on our events. I love them. Um, and uh, so I would encourage you to check that out. Whether it's Flip Hacking Live, like Nick said, we have an event called Multifamily Live. It's uh, in June, June 2nd, 3rd and 4th in Nashville. We just kind of launched that. It's super cheap right now. Like in like uh, insane offer that we made. I told the team, I was like, just make it 47 bucks to come to a live event. It's usually we start our other events at like $500 a ticket. And, uh, but grab the book. Like the book is the easiest way to just figure out um, it's free. Like I'm giving it away. Like the book is free. So go get the book. You, you do have to pay for shipping, but it's like eight bucks. So um, go get the book. And then if there's something in there that's interesting to you, then you can find out the next place to find me. Um, I don't know. I'm just having fun right now. Like I really, I really love talking about this stuff. The reason why I have no idea what time it is, is I could just talk <laughs> about it all day. Like I really could spend four hours on this podcast, just talking with you. So um, I love, I love our events. We have mastermind groups. We have all kinds of stuff. If, if that's something that makes sense for you, we'd love to have you. Um, but you can go to 7ffbook.com. That's the, that's the best place to go. 7ffbook.com. Uh, it's the number 7ffbook.com. And it's a free book. I'd love to show you, you. In the intro, you said best-selling author. That, by the way, that is like self-proclaimed. I, I don't know where that came from. But it's not, it is not on the New York Times bestseller. I, if Compared to where I was like six months ago, I am a bestseller compared to a no-seller. So uh, I don't know. I'd love to ship out thousands and thousands of these books to as many people as can get them. It's really going to unlock. Um, it's kind of like, you know, when you tell your story, like you just want more people to hear it. And if it can help them, great. Like you said. Uh, so that's where I would send people. That's awesome, man. And again, I can't vouch enough for the book. There's something for everybody in there. It's excellent for reading through, like you said, to try and figure out what you want and what you don't want and where you might fit in and where you might not fit in and helping you pick a strategy and pick a market and pick a niche. It, it, it covers things very, very well in there and it breaks it down in a very easy and fun to read way. So I very much appreciate it. Um, social media and stuff, you're an Instagram guy, Facebook, TikTok, what's your, what's your preference there? I think we have it all. Um, it's, it's Bill Allen REI, uh, Bill Allen REI on Instagram. I think uh, somebody told me something the other day. He said, I have more uh, I have more pay, paying customers than I have Instagram followers. And I was like, yeah, that <laughs> uh, I don't even really know how to use it that well. I just, I post some stuff from time to time. I'd love to have some people follow me on there. I'm pretty active on Facebook and, and I try to get on Instagram. I'm my assistant that I just hired. She's going to have to teach me how to use it better. So, um, but yeah, that's my, you can Bill Allen on uh, Facebook and Bill Allen REI on Instagram. We, I, I, there are some TikTok videos of me out there, but my team puts them together, puts them somewhere. I've never seen them. I, I, I'm not personally active on there. So, uh, but it's the direction that we're going, I think. So. Awesome, man. Well, anybody that wants to obviously check the show notes in there and I highly suggest they follow you because not only do you give good business advice, 
but your journey on some of the personal stuff, you're very open and very vulnerable on there. And then you're flying planes and it's really exciting, man. I'm very happy to hear that your business and your family and everybody's doing well. I love flip hacking live. I highly recommend people go there. I will definitely be at the multifamily live. And uh, if there's anything I could ever do for you, please let me know. But anything final thought, final thoughts before we let you go, Bill Allen. No, I would say just like, I don't know. Hopefully some of this stuff helped. Uh, my, my goal is if I can help one person, then it's, it's worth my time. And uh, Nick, I just want to say thanks for having me on here. And uh, like, and, and just so you guys know, when you're listening to this, uh, this is an awesome dude. Like when I came on in the beginning, we're talking and the first thing he asked me was how my son is doing. And my son has had a bunch of open heart surgeries and it's things like that, like little things like that, that when people take the time to actually care, like this guy cares. So you guys, you know, when you hear someone's voice, and their values and, and what they put out, um, you're in the right place. Listen to this podcast. So support Nick, uh, subscribe, uh, rate, review all the things that a podcaster like pushes you guys to do, but you never really do it. Like I'm going to beg you for that because that's how we get uh, recognized. That's how people find our podcast. That's how people find us. And, and, and we're here to give back to you guys. And, and that's big. So help Nick out because he's an awesome dude. And <laughs> Uh, and it's amazing. I appreciate you having me on here for a second time and coming to the events and hanging out with us. Very kind words, sir. I appreciate it. I definitely look forward to seeing you again. Thank you for that. You always be your A-game. Thank you for coming on. Bill Allen, ladies and gentlemen.